0: Too much for our house this year, but you know, if mama ain't happy, that wasn't our house. But wasn't that almost perfect? Have you, have you ever had a perfect Christmas? I mean, we have one coming up. I don't know if it's going to be perfect for you, but I hope that the force is with you and that things line up that way. There's a church up north that's done the same children's musical drama for over 47 years the director she was a perfectionist and she wanted everything to be perfect she wanted perfect lines perfect timing perfect costumes perfect staging she wanted everything to be to be perfect and and then last year the christian education committee up there decided they would introduce a new policy and that policy stated that every young person in the church that wanted to be part of the musical could you see up until this time she had kind of a hand-picked group of kids that she worked with a core group of kids she wanted perfect shepherds perfect wise guys she wanted everything perfect And there were some years when she couldn't find that in the congregation, so she even went outside the church to bring in some perfect kids. So they had a new policy now, and it stated that every child in the church that wanted to participate could. And it kind of ticked her off, and she said, Hey, it's either my way or the highway. And they said, See ya. And that year, there were probably a dozen shepherds, at least 20 angels. There were probably three dozen sheep. In fact, everything seemed to be perfect, and this lady sat right in the very front row that year because she wanted to be the critic, and she wanted to point out all the flaws that she saw in the performance. And everything was going pretty good until Mary and Joseph made their entrance. And in rehearsal, the narrator said that Joseph was going to Bethlehem to be taxed with his espoused wife, who was great with child. And one of the moms thought, well, you know, maybe the kids don't get that. Maybe they don't understand this great with child thing. So she went from the King James Version to the Good News Translation, which says that Joseph went to Bethlehem to be registered with Mary, who was promised in marriage to him, and she was pregnant. Everything was fine until Mary and Joseph entered, and the narrator said that Joseph went to Bethlehem to register with Mary, who was promised to him in marriage, and who was pregnant. And little Joseph, he just froze in his footsteps. And he looked at her, because this wasn't what he heard in rehearsal, and he said, pregnant? What do you mean pregnant? And it kind of brought the, brought the house down, but things did not end there, because a little bit later, all the sheep entered, the 36 sheep, and they, had their way down front, you know? And they all gathered around this lady who had... Excluded them for years, and they kind of snuggled right in for the rest of the production. Two magical things happened, and that was one. The second thing was, towards the end of the production, that special effects guys, these were big guys, created snow. And snow began to fall. And the place was stone-cold silent. That is, until Minnie McDonald, who was an older lady in the church... And she was hard of hearing, and she had the the, the tendency to say things that she thought was quiet, but it came out loud. And she looked at her husband, Elmer, and said, Elmer, this is perfect, just perfect. And it was, kind of. Today, what I would like to do is share with you the story of of a perfect Christmas if I could do that this morning and I really think in just a few days when you celebrate Christmas I think I think your Christmas can be perfect too oh okay 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 there might be a meltdown or two probably won't be the little ones it'll probably be you when someone drops kicks that macaroni across the room or something or somebody shows up late you you can have a perfect Christmas too I think in the eyes of our children, every Christmas is what? Perfect. Here's the way the Bible tells the story. In, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that, that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Serenius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So... Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and to the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. It even sounds kind of perfect, doesn't it? What what I would like to do is maybe breathe some life into this piece of scripture today. I would like to look at the participants because I think as we begin to analyze things, we will understand that maybe it wasn't quite as perfect as we thought it was, and yet it was still a perfect Christmas. So I guess I would like to start with, mary and joseph and i have said they were willing participants can i clarify that kinda they were willing participants kinda when mary was informed by an angel in luke chapter 1 verses 26 through 38 the bible says that she was greatly troubled Theologians say that Mary was probably in her early teenage years, maybe even as young as 12. 12, 13, 14. Anybody here have a 13, 14, 15 year old little doll baby at home? Angels spoke to her, said the Holy Spirit would come over you and you would be with child and you would carry the child of God Most High and you would call him Jesus. The Bible says she was troubled. Anybody here ever spoke to an angel or had one speak to you? And we're talking a child here and she is informed that she is going to be with child. So she went to visit and seek counsel from Elizabeth. Elizabeth, after hearing the tale, finally said, nothing is impossible with God. Mary said at the end of that statement, I am the Lord's servant. May it be as you have said. Woo. That's pretty heady for a kid, isn't it? I would have probably said something like, Seriously? What? What? You? Ha. Now Mary and Joseph were engaged to be married. And this was a big deal back in Bible times. There wasn't a whole lot of dating that went on. Joseph never called her up or went over to court her, but mom and dads, they kind of uh, uh, orchestrated things. And you know, we kind of talk about this in our culture, don't we? When Bubby grows up, he's going to marry her. I mean, that's the kind of the way we talk and goof around, but that's not the way we do things. Back in Bible times, they did. And there's a little uh, bargaining going on, and there's probably some chickens and money and things. Thrown into the deal, but she was pledged to be married to Joseph, and that was kind of the deal. Everybody knew that. I wonder how Mary even told her mom and dad. Don't I mean? Have you ever thought about this? Hey, we need to talk. And usually, it's around that kitchen table kind of thing. And this this angel spoke to me and told me I was going to be be the mother of Jesus and What do you think mom and dad thought? I mean like seriously? I mean that's the story you're going with? And then Mary had to communicate to Joseph. Didn't didn't she? Joseph, I I know we have not been with each other and I, I know that we are pledged to be married and, 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 and I know that, that you want me to be your wife. But I, I got to tell you, this, this angel came and spoke to me and I'm going to be great with child and I'm going to carry the son of God. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 1 verse 18, 19, 20 and 21 that Joseph, when he heard this, he was troubled and he had decided to divorce her quietly. Anybody here from a small town? Did you grow up in a small town? Anything ever happened there quietly? (laughs) He decided to put her away quietly. You know, he still loved her and he still had a place in his heart for her, but he knew that she was not carrying his child and he knew that she could be stoned to death. So he wanted to try to do it as quietly and as uneventful as possible. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 to 25, the Bible says that an angel came to Joseph. And the conversation kind of went like this. Now just sit there and listen to me. Mary's a good kid. This is part of God's plan. You will take her to be your wife, and that's the end of it. (laughs) Kind of like that. That's a loose, that's Jerry's paraphrase. And as soon as Joseph... Had that experience. I don't know how he handled that. I would like in my mind to see him running through that little town. All the way over to Mary's house and beating on the door. And who do you think came to the door? to think it was Mary? Probably not. Probably dad. Mom probably right behind him. Maybe there's eye, their eyes met and maybe yeah, I saw an angel too. It's going to be okay. I don't know how they communicated that. But I do think it was a big part of what was happening way back in the perfect scenario. And then the Bible tells us that when Mary was like nine months pregnant that Caesar had made this proclamation and they had to go back to their hometown and be taxed and register. Mary was not from Bethlehem. There was no reason that she had to go. So I'm thinking, why did she go? I mean, I, have you ever thought about that? Road trip. <laughs> I don't know. If that was it. You know, maybe she is tired of everybody talking about her. You think? Small town. There's Mary. She had an angel. Joseph, he's crazy too. Maybe she just wanted to get out of town. Andy and Abby are visiting with us this weekend. We're going to see each other next week at Christmas time. But Andy gets a weekend off every month from his church, and he said, "Hey, man, we just need to get out of town." So he said, "Come on, and let's start Christmas even early." Maybe she just wanted to get out of town. Anybody here been nine months pregnant? <laughs> Can you see yourself riding on the back of a donkey for 75 or 80 miles? Yeah, no. Next time one of my gals say, "Hey, I'm pregnant. I want to have this baby." I want to suggest they climb on the back of a donkey and ride for 75 or 80 miles. Why didn't she go? Two words. You ready for this? Young love. You ever been there? I mean when 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 someone is really in love and the young don't they do some didn't you do some crazy things? Maybe that's why. So I they get to Bethlehem, no room in the inn and so now I got two kids, Joseph maybe in his late teenage years. So we got two kids completely out of their environment in a strange city in the dark away from family and friends and they're starting to make camp in this stable, this cave area and then Mary says I think it's time guys do you remember when your wife looked at you and said it's time I'll never forget what I said to Debbie the first time I said are you sure (laughs) yes I'm sure Okay, I'm gonna take a shower. No, it's time. When Joseph heard those words, he probably looked around and he he not here, not now, not like this, no. You know what I know about babies? They come when they're ready, don't they? I mean, that's kind of the deal. So now they're in this cave stable place, it's probably pretty dirty. Anybody grow up on a farm? What does stable smell like? yikes. Probably some little critters running around, and some animals, and probably not a whole lot of straw or hay. To, but they did the best they could. You know, we have a lot of nativity scenes at our house, maybe seven or eight, I can't even remember. And some of them are up all year round. You know what I don't like about them? They're too clean. They're too nice. I told Debbie, well, rough him up a little bit. And then she just gives me the look, you know? Don't be touching those things. But this was not the perfect scenario. Anything but perfect. The innkeeper, the innkeeper played a role. He wasn't a bad man, he was just preoccupied. I mean, he was busy. Bethlehem now was booming and. His inn was full, he had a lot of guests to take care of, there was money to be made. Caesar had done them a big deal, a big favor. This was an economic bonanza. And he just had to take care of all that needed to to be cared for. The innkeeper and those like him who missed out on that first Christmas were not bad or evil people. They were just too busy, there was too much going on. They were locked into the unimportant and they ignored the important. Anybody here feel a little bit overwhelmed this morning that Christmas is almost here? I mean, decorations may be up, and it was obvious, and Michael let us know that people are still shopping. I'm still shopping. And there's been a lot of parties and a lot of hoopla and a lot of things going on. And Most of the time, I can't wait till Christmas is over. And then I can go, man, we made another one, you know? Ever feel that way? Ladies, if you were to pull out your calendars right now from your purse, what would it look like? It would look like a chicken just ran across that thing a hundred times. Around here, uh, Diane will not let us write in the church calendar unless we do it with pencil. You know why? Because a lot of times we have female attacks and we change our mind. And she doesn't want to have everything inked up and stuff, so we've got to write in pencil because we can erase that. Anybody here a little bit busier than you want to be this year? I'm not saying that we are evil or bad, but sometimes just wait too busy, too preoccupied with the unimportant things. Things get a little bit better in Luke chapter 2 after we had this birth announcement. The Bible says that the angels, they were functional. They showed up on time and they had purpose. They shared the good news. They show up with a message, a savior has been born, he is Christ the Lord, and they began praising God. They began to do church right out there in the wilderness. So they showed up on time and they were purposeful. And then the shepherds were the recipients, they were the privileged ones in this this great adventure. You see, shepherds shepherds were, were right down there with fishermen in their culture. They weren't too important. They just kind of fit in when they needed to. They were privileged this year because that's where the angels went, to the shepherd, to the lowest of lows. And they did church right out there in the desert. They weren't too preoccupied. As soon as church was over, they went to see this newborn king. There was another player, his name was Herod. Remember that guy? He was a powerful man, he was a mighty politician. He was threatened by all of this news. The Bible even tells us that a couple years later, the wise men came through and they stopped to ask about this Jesus. And Herod was such a twisted man. He had no problem taking people's life. In fact, he took the life of his own wife and a son because he thought they were plotting against him. I mean, he he was just crazy. So he decided that the way to take care of this Jesus was to order that all the male babies, remember? Two years and under to be killed. And he thought that would take care of this This king. And you know, there are still some here today who are threatened by Jesus in our culture. Jesus came to put an end to all kinds of evil. The Bible says you're either for him or against him. There's no gray area. You're either on board or you're not. Herod's religious scholars make an entrance in this whole scheme of things. and They were just proud men. Herod called them to question them about Jesus. He, he asked, Who is he? Where is he born? Why didn't they go worship this Messiah? And the reason was pride. After all, they were respected scholars, and to admit such a thing was too big to, to bear. And even today, we have people in our culture who, who allow their pride to stand in the way with their relationship with Jesus. They say things like, "Well, I'm not I'm not I don't need I'm not that bad. I don't need to go to church. I'm not that bad." Or I'm too good for that. I don't Or I'm not that that weak. Or hey, my family comes first. Or my tea time. Or my job. Proud people worship Jesus from a distance where it's safe. They protect their image and their lifestyle by doing things that way. The wise guys, that's what I like to call them. The wise men, they show, they were perceptive. They lived hundreds of miles away from the area, and they weren't privileged like the shepherds, and there were no angels. They were students of astrology, and they knew Old Testament prophecy, and when this star appeared, they weren't too proud to follow. Do you know why these guys were called wise men? They stopped and asked directions. They stopped at Herod's place and said, hey, where's this Jesus? And they were wise enough not to go back that way. You see, I think wise men still seek Jesus today. Preoccupied people don't. Perturbed people don't. Proud people don't. There's one more participant in the first Christmas. I've saved the best for the last. Without without Jesus, there could be no celebration. See, that's the kicker here today. All that you see up here today, all that we'll do this week, it's all about Jesus. Jesus makes Christmas perfect. Without him in the mix... Christmases will not be perfect our boys have grown up now they're older we have grandbabies now but there's probably going to be a happy birthday Jesus cake at our birthday celebration we're probably taking off Christmas day heading north and we'll have a loaded sleigh and we'll have all types of other things there will be a birthday cake for Jesus and a few treats for me on the way but Jesus is what makes Christmas perfect Isaiah 7 and 9, Jesus is fulfilled prophecy and a promise. Jesus and only Jesus makes Christmas perfect. 1 Peter 1.19 says that the babe was born to die. The perfect sacrifice. The lamb without blemish. And when John the Baptist saw Jesus in his grown up years in John 1, John says to the friends that were with him, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin's of the world. Christmas is about grace and mercy and and forgiveness. Rick Warren and his wife Kay had to make a quick stop at a convenience store on their way way home one one Christmas Eve and Rick said he didn't want to get his his baby girl out of her car seat. You guys who have little ones you know what that's all about. When Andy and Abby came in this weekend, we transferred their car seats to our car so we could all go in the same vehicle somewhere. I mean, you have to be an engineer with some kind of degree to figure out those car seats. He didn't want to get her out, so he just had the windows rolled down. And as he walked away, his little girl kind of pushed herself up to the window. And she said, God save me, I'm stuck in here. You ever feel sucked? Stuck like there's no way out. Maybe stuck in a sick body. Or maybe stuck in a difficult world, in a loveless marriage. Or maybe stuck in a financial situation that you just cannot see. Maybe stuck in a lonely life or a depressed life. Have you ever felt stuck? You see, I think this first Christmas has everything to do with the possibility of getting our minds off our stuckness. I'm not sure stuckness is a word, but I'm going with it today. We shop till we drop, we drink till we can't think, we work till we can't stop. But then once we have a relationship with Jesus, we Sober up, we wake up, we look up, we stand up, and it doesn't take long for us to realize that only Jesus can help us with our stuckness. Last week I asked you to do your best to find your happy heart. Don't know how many people I have talked to this week who have told me situations that they were in this week. When they had to remind themselves to find their happy heart. Heart This Christmas, you do me a favor? Regardless of what happens, just remember Jesus and find your happy heart. You see, if our greatest need would have been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need would have been technology, He would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need would have been money, he would have sent an sent an economist. But our greatest need has always been forgiveness, so he sent us a Savior. I mean, that's probably one of the greatest stories ever told, except for the resurrection. And you know, I don't think we can really celebrate Christmas until we understand the cross. Oh, it makes all the difference in the world. The greatest gift ever given to someone like like you and me. So again, I'm going to ask you to pledge this week. We did this last week. It's church. I know it's not supposed to be fun. It's Sunday. Raise your right hand. Repeat after me. I will do my best to find my happy heart and celebrate the birth of my Lord and Savior.